Clarissa Burt is an internationally acclaimed, award-winning media personality, producer, director, writer, author, public speaker, former supermodel, and winner of the Celebrity Survivor Show. In 2022, she was knighted, joining the ranks of 350 dames worldwide. Her internationally award-winning best-selling book entitled The Self-Esteem Regime was published in 2021. Let's meet Clarissa Burt. Clarissa, welcome to the show. Wonderful to have you here. Hey, Brad. It's so good to see you all the way around the world, actually. I don't know if we could be any farther apart, you and I. Actually, is that uh, by the way the world goes or the way planes go, it's not so bad, but we're actually closer than we think. We actually are closer than we think. Yeah. It just, um, <laughs> unfortunately, many, I'm many hours. We're in New Zealand. Yeah. If we go that way, it's three quarters of the world. If we come back this way, it's only a quarter of the world. So that's <laughs> Exactly. Well, thanks for joining us today. For those who haven't encountered your work, they probably have, even if they haven't realized it. Um, perhaps you could give us a little, uh, a brief history of Clarissa Bird. Yeah, absolutely. So born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, just a regular, you know, people and, uh, um, uh, you know, life, uh, you know, came on quickly as I was the first born and then there were two after me. Um, I was quick to learn and Mary Poppins in the kindergarten play, which kind of put me, it, you know, after I got my first standing ovation for singing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, I realized that I absolutely love the accolades and I would spend a really good portion of my life either on stage or in front of a microphone in some way shape or form. So those were kind of the beginnings I modeled for many years, which was really a great, uh, great uh, path to learning. That was a part of the journey that, you know, was certainly uh, taught me a lot because it was rife with rejection, as you can well imagine, because that's, that's kind of what the industry between modeling and acting is kind of, you know, you've got to have thick skin. Um, and then started to produce, produce television. I was living in Italy for 30 years, so doing everything in another language. Um, you know, I've had a really good run of it all, you know, all told. It's, it's been real, real fun. The idea of writing the book, The Self-Esteem Regime, really came more from the difficulties that I was encountering as I was going through the journey and on my path and, and didn't don't necessarily have all the tools in the shed that I really should have had to, you know, to sort of affront uh, this thing called life. Uh, it, you know, it's one of those kind of places that you can either love it or hate it or somewhere in between. And that really does depend on the amount of work you're going to do on yourself, doesn't it? I mean, it really is all about the self-improvement. It's personal uh, development. It's, um, it's that self-esteem piece that you may not necessarily have been taught. A lot of us like to blame our parents everything is our parents fault you know well we got to remember that they didn't come with a manual either you know they didn't they're coming with their generational trauma they're coming with what they were taught and back in those days things like personal development and personal improvement and you know working on yourself that stuff didn't really exist it kind of was just hearkening if you will right so it's up to us as i said before to reparent ourselves, to take it into our own hands, uh, say thank you for what is and what was, um, and move forward with, with you know, a, a, a much more uh, happier and healthier attitude about how cool can this be now that I take what I know and I can just add on to all, to you know, to me, myself and I, um, just by learning, just by doing the work. And the work is where a lot of people 
get tripped up because you're going to have to come to the table with courage. You're going to have to come to the, the, the table with perseverance. You may have to come to the table with some patience. Uh, you definitely are going to have to come with a box of tissue. You know, because that may just be what you may need. You know, a lot of stuff has been packed down and we need this as, you know, the proverbial, you know, you got to bring it back up, bring it back up. You do. You have to bring it back up. So anything that you will ingest that is bad, let's say food poisoning, you're going to bring that back up right? It's the same concept with anything that you, your brain has ingested, anything that you have been told or taught that may not have been healthy for you, uh, that you will have to, uh, you'll have to purge and that can be painful. Mm, absolutely. It's amazing to live in a time when we do have access to these personal development, self-improvement, sometimes research-based approaches that can actually help us on our journey uh, for most of history. Although I guess if we go back to ancient Greece, people were talking about some of these ideas a long, long time ago, you know, eudaimonia, how to live a good life. So yeah. people have been trying to share things with us, but not everyone had access yeah. to them. Don't know if it was quite as mainstream as it is these days, thanks to the internet, thanks to bookstores, thanks to meetup groups, thanks to, you know, lots of different organizations that have uh, been created along the way. Um, I know that when I was a kid, we had three bookstores here in the United States and there was a little teeny section in the back, Brad, called self-help. And if it had 40 to 50 books on it, it was a big deal. But that's where I went to devour what I needed as help, as assistance, as guidance, as a way out, a way out of my own brain sometimes, a way out of the own, your own pain, right? Now, if you talk about personal development, and I'm thrilled to say that my book is on the shelves of the, the last remaining bookshelf store in the, in the United States called Barnes & Noble. Um, you know, you, you now are looking at a multi-billion dollar industry for, you know, personal development. And whereas it used to be just 40 or 50 books, now it's just 40, you know, 50, even more rows upon rows upon rows of personal development books, mm -hmm. which brings me back to the point, right? We are a work in progress. We are constantly going to be working on ourselves. People say, Clarissa, well, I mean, what is self-esteem? Do you ever kind of like get to the point where you don't even have to think about it or worry about it anymore? Yeah, no. <laughs> it doesn't work that way only because life is what it is and it will trigger. Life will trigger and it will ebb and flow. There are going to be good days and bad days. There are going to be good things to, you know, to celebrate. There are going to be bad things to overcome. Mm. What I am trying to impress on everyone is to make sure that you have the tools in the shed that you need on any given time. So when that storm comes through, uh, you know, um, we as standing strong in our, let's talk about standing strong in our stead as, as we would a well-rooted tree. So again, when that storm comes through, you might lose a leaf or two, you could potentially lose a branch, but you're not gonna be uprooted with the storm and transported away. So this is why I say, get those tools in the shed, you know, whatever that may be, it might be therapy. Again, it could be classes, courses, books, movies, documentaries. There's plenty of information these days available to us, thanks to the internet that we didn't always have. Mm. You acknowledge a number of people in the start of your book, people who have been abandoned, abused, cheated on. Why is this important to you? The I mentioned in the book about people that have abandoned and cheated on. There's a whole, there's a really a whole section here, which I absolutely love, but abandoned and cheated on are some of the things that really cut us, our soul to the core. 
These are the things that, you know, when we thought that we could trust someone, when we put our faith in someone, we put our trust in someone. We have created now for our, for us that really comfortable go-to place. And when we find that that go-to place wasn't in good standing, wasn't in the kind of standing, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, living in the t- kind of integrity that you were living in in that relationship, that can really, really tear you to the core. And it, it's, it can all, all, also be like a PTSD moment, right? It's one of those things that can just rip the heart out of your chest and it's going to take some work for you to figure out what happened and what role you may or may not have had in that uh, relationship. I talk also about our value system, right? I say to some people, uh, you know, what about what give me your top four in your value system? Yes. Most people don't know. Oh, gee, I don't know what a value is. Or, well, let me think about a system like there's a whole system. Yeah, there kind of is. And here's mine. I, I take the high road. That's honesty, integrity, gratitude, and honor. And so with, with my coming to the table every day, not only with myself, but with those that I have in relationship, it could be at work, it could be a friendship, it could be my children, I don't have any, but I, you know, if I, I were to have, uh, it could be uh, the love of my life, a, a significant other, a husband, a spouse. If you come with with radical honesty every day, no matter what, right? This should guarantee that you're not cheating and that you're open to open, you know, communication to talk about what's happening, what's really happening in the relationship. And if you're getting pushback, if you're getting somebody yelling or screaming or not even wanting to talk about it, you might be in a toxic relationship. And this is what I was talking about before. This is where, you know, if you're not careful about who you're choosing to have in the inner circle and knowing that you have brought your best self, you have brought that value system and that you're looking for others that have the same or close to the same you know, if you're not doing that, you're probably going to be in more toxic relationships than you realize. And if you are, there are some red flags for you. That's where you know you need to start doing some some cleaning house. And that is going to be difficult. Sometimes you're going to have to cut someone out altogether, Brad, and sometimes back them off. But no matter how you handle it, it's, you know, you've got to be doing what's right for you. Who is supporting you? Who is helping you? Who is assisting you? Who are you by? Obviously, my last chapter is reciprocity, right? Um, And making sure that you're doing everything that you can possibly do to be living in happy, healthy relationships and self-esteem. In your book, you mention being a producer of the uh, Miss Miss Universe pageant and realizing that self-esteem was a low self-esteem was kind of universal i mean when we think about miss universe you you just see extroverts you see high self-confidence but i think that's really a mask maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what you saw there yeah Mm. agreed a lot of masking going on you know as a child i learned from you know we learned from our parents obviously as i mentioned before so i saw my mother a beautiful woman just a lovely a beautiful beautiful woman and she was so worried about her weight she didn't need to lose an ounce she had a beautiful body and she was very very worried oh don't take a picture of me don't i come out horrible in pictures and she was beautiful and normally i'll have a picture close by i don't have one now but take my word for it was just a beautiful woman so i was looking at her and wondering how i was perceiving her as such a beautiful lovely woman and she didn't perceive herself that way 
Fast forward to my grandmother, my grandmother, another beautiful woman, didn't need to lose a pound, beautiful woman. And she was all tripped up about how to lose weight, how to lose weight. So she took, <clears throat> excuse me, two diet pills, uh, choked on them, perforated her esophagus and wound up in the hospital for six weeks. And I looked at her and I thought, what is it that I'm perceiving about you as you being this lovely woman, beautiful, I look up to you, I adore you, and you don't see that in yourself. Fast forward to the modeling years. Now, I was modeling with the, really, truly the top 1% in the world. All the runways around the world, all the cover girls, we were in that percentile of modeling, right, back in the 80s. Um, and 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 there were there were some similarities there, whether it be I don't know toxic relationships, maybe drug use, drinking, um, toxic relationships. And by the way, this is some and not all. Let me say, but it, I would look at some of the gals and say, "Gee, I perceive you as being something so completely different than the way you're actually living." Sure, we all look confident in front of a camera and on a runway. That's our job. That's what we do. But what's really happening behind the scenes? And so with no judgment at all, but, but with grand curiosity, I wanted to understand what was the connection between my mother in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, my grandmother in Philadelphia, and the girls, you know, the 1% of the most beautiful women in the world. And so, and, and, and therein lies the reason for the book. It was happy, healthy self-esteem, obviously, is what was, what was missing. And I just wanted to bring to the fore the importance of doing the work, having the courage, knowing that no matter what you're going through, you can always count on yourself. There are going to be things that you're going to have to look at, things you're going to have to change. My first chapter is release. That's what we have to look at. What is it that we need? We think is etched in stone because it's what we thought we're taught. It's what we learned. It's what, whether it was the familiar tribe, whether it was the church, whether it was our friends, whether it was our educational institutions, where did we form, right? Who we are now? How did we come to be who we are in this moment? And what isn't working for us? What's just not, it's not happening. So that's where we have to figure figure that out and we make a list and we and we start working on that list and as we release all the old stuff that we know is not not serving us we start to work on rebuilding and therein lies another whole chapter of of work to be done look i challenge everyone to do this because again it is our sacred duty to ourselves and to those around us to come to the table as the best as complete as we possibly can be. You know, we fall in love with people many, many times that haven't done the work that don't, don't, some of them don't even know there's work to be done, right? They just go on living their life the way they do and wonder why they are in the, in the difficulties or they're living some of the difficulties that they live. So by going through the book, which I have set up as a, what I call a regime, which is an organized way of doing things, you are going to do, you're going to do the work. You'll read a little bit, a bit about self-esteem. This is not a read. This is a manual. And for me, it's a mission and a movement. What are the four pillars of the self-esteem regime? So the four pillars are look good, feel good, be good and greater good. So a lot of people are going to say, wasn't well, it a little shallow to worry about what we look like? 
No, it's not shallow. It's the way we present. It's the way we feel when we look in the mirror. And we can talk about mirror work in a minute. It's the way we feel about ourselves externally. And there is no, you know, there's makeup is a trillion dollar industry. Clothing is a gajillion dollar industry. You know, fashion is a gajillion dollar industry. I know it because I lived it. And I can tell you that looking good is puts a, a lilt in your step. It just does feel good. There's your diet, your exercise, your nutrition, wellness, self-care. These are all very important things because it's all connected, isn't it? Everything that uh, we are feeling inside is the way we're looking outside. And that yeah. is just important. Oh, we need to have happy, healthy, strong, strong bodies. Uh, uh, look, if you'll be good, be good is much what we're talking about now. That is, it's your relationships, it's leadership, it's uh, your work life, it's your finances, it's your education, your continuing education. Uh, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not either reading another chapter or two or three in a book or taking another course or class. I'm on Udemy all the time. Coursera, I've taken a couple of classes, Linda on LinkedIn. There's all kinds of information. YouTube. <laughs> I mean, I live on YouTube just to make sure that, because first of all, we have long, you know, big learning curves these days, Brad. I mean, the learning curves, even in business are continual and constant. Um, and so I'm constantly learning. That is what we need to be doing in order to stay, I think, ahead of the curve and at the top of our game. And then greater good is giving back, volunteering, paying, uh, paying it forward, tithing, or whatever it is that you do to make sure that you know, uh, that your life is lived, um, for the good that you can also do for others. And it can be little things. It doesn't have to be money. It can be silly things like, you know, a smile, a compliment, um, to somebody you don't know. I do this frequently and it's, it's, it's a great thing. It's just people, you make people feel good. Hold the elevator door for somebody that you see is running for it. Help a woman down the stairs with a baby carriage. It's the little, it's the kind, it's the, it's the good manners and the kindness that we used to live with 50, 60 years ago that we don't necessarily all live today. So I think that with some, just some kindness in your heart and knowing that you're doing the right thing by getting up on public transportation for an elderly person or for a pregnant woman, you know, it's the right thing to do. It's just wow. the right thing to do. Now that resonates. It, it's so much fulfillment comes from the, the small things. It's actually not the, mm -hmm. the grand sweeping gestures and, mm -hmm. and so forth. It's the little things that you do. I'm interested mm -hmm. in mirror work. You mentioned that. Yeah, the mirror work is in the book. And I, I learned first about the mirror work by Louise Hayes, who was definitely, she was, um, you know, the, the, grandmother, a grand titan, if you will, of the personal development industries who's since passed, but she started Hayes Publishing House. And that's where a lot of these self-help personal development authors have gone to publish their books. Then Jack Canfield, who's the other half of Chicken Soup for the Soul series, and uh, a, a coach, you know, a, a personal development coach in his own right. Uh, he used it in his works as well. So I figured if they, they could use it, I, I would adopt it too. And that is to be able, there are two ways to approach a mirror. One is to look in the mirror. The other one is to look at the mirror or look into the mirror and look at the mirror. When you look at the mirror, you're, you're primping, right? Um, you are, you're, you know, putting on your makeup, you're doing your hair, you're checking out, you know, your fit, you're doing all those lovely things. When you are looking into the mirror, you're really kind of looking into your soul and that's where you stop and you just really do the work with yourself, for yourself, by yourself, 
because it's going to feel really weird. It's going to sound even stranger when you start to talk to yourself into the mirror and tell yourself the things that you need to hear uh, that you may never hear from anyone else. And we shouldn't wait for anyone else. This is where we become our own cheerleader section. We become our own rah-rah moment. Uh, and we start to say to each other, to, to, ourse to ourselves, um, you know, things like, I really like you. And I think you did an amazing job at that presentation that I know you worked so hard for. So good on you. And, and I want you to know, I'm really sorry about that time that whatever. Um, and I also forgive you for whatever. I love you. Keep up the good work. You know, some of these things for some people I had an intern working for me once and she was asked to pull together a video doing this and she couldn't do it. She, she said, Clarissa, I just couldn't do it. It's just, I just started to cry every time. Well, good. Because that means we're, you know, that means you started the work, right? You're starting to bring up that those, you know, you're starting to um, debunk the myths that you have created around you not being good enough. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take a really quick dive down that. We hear a lot about you are enough. I am enough. We are enough. Everybody's enough. So I took it upon myself to look up the definition of enough, Brad. And the definition of enough is only as much as is required. Nice. So the new mantra is, and I want everyone to take away, all everyone that's listening to take away, the new mantra is now, I am so much more than enough. Isn't it funny how words, again, remember, we thought that was all etched in stone, right? I'm enough. I am enough. Everybody's fighting to be enough. But the word enough in and of itself isn't enough, yeah. right? So that's, a, I think, another really big takeaway, as is. We talk so frequently about the grass being greener on the other side. And I offer two things for that. And that is, the grass is always greener where you water it. And is it really grass or is it astroturf? Is it fake? Is it plastic? And this is where I kind of bring in the whole social media piece, right? What are we seeing? What are we perceiving? Is it true or is it what someone wants us to know? As we are reminded that we've never walked a mile in anyone else's shoes and what's really going on behind the scenes. It's really none of our business, but I think we need to be mindful that not everything we see is true and not everything we perceive is truth. It's as simple as that. So the lesson in all of that is just stop comparing yourself to everyone else. You're not on their path. They are not on your path. You're going to learn what you need to learn when you need to learn it. Do you think social media is the cause of the anxiety epidemic amongst young people? Any thoughts on how people can be more conscious about their consumption of digital technology? Well, first of all, I, I love the question because I normally talk about that as well. And that is, you know, in April of 2023, our the United States Attorney General came out and said that we have a youth mental health crisis. And the numbers straight across the board will prove that about 50% of our youth now is either uh, depressed, anxious, 
thinking of committing suicide or have unalive themselves, right? So we really are in a place in a space where, you know, because of internet, bullying has doubled, tripled, if not quadrupled. I don't remember a lot of bullying when I was a kid, but apparently it's a it's a huge epidemic now. Uh, you know, and so uh, I also would like to give a little bit of peace to Hollywood and the violent violent movies and gaming, because we're putting gaming into the hands of two and three year olds these days, where four year olds where the gaming is really violent and there's nothing happening if you don't have an AR-15 in your hands in these gaming pieces. Uh, and so, you know, I think that that fosters, uh, it fosters violence. There's no way it can't in the formative years foster violence. I would ask, you know, uh, I would ask uh, parents to just be a little more careful with things like I'm not a parent and I'm not here to judge and I'm not here to throw shade. That's not what I'm doing. But if I am asked, you know, the opinion, which I was just asked, my opinion is let's get the devices out of their hands. Let's get back to the kitchen table. Let's get back to that hour after everybody's home, you know, chopping up the celery together, laying the table together, eating together. The devices are, you know, an, uh, you know, closed or, or, you know, shut off or it's in their rooms, whatever that is. But it's that one hour of quality time that, you know, that we all need with family. And making sure that, you know, you have some of the safeguards on the devices that, you know, they have today as different apps that can check and, and control. Um, and also, um, you know, be careful with this gaming stuff. Get it out of their hands at such an early age. I would say I think gaming should have, you know, like a mature setting on it, like 18 and up. 17 and up, you know, and if you really take a look, most of the school shootings are done in that age group. It's between, you know, 16 and 26. I'm not making this up. The statistics are, the, all the stats are there. Yeah. Right. So getting back to, by living in the, I think, and living all the time with lots of violence and less love, there's a huge imbalance within the brains and in the hearts of our youth. It's, it's tough trying to share with them the importance of discernment when it comes to using mm -hmm. these tools, because we know they're addictive. We know that they're designed to be addictive. They're wonderful too. Yeah. I mean, we can connect yeah. with people on the other side of the world and have enriching conversations, but I suppose it's all about awareness first and, and foremost, you know, and well, what are some of targeted. They're being yeah. targeted. We just had a big, there was a Senate hearing with all of like six or seven of the top, uh, you know, from Instagram to Zuckerberg to TikTok to Discord, like they were all in the room. And, you know, and, and the parents were, I don't know if you saw this around the world, but this parents were, that have lost children to the internet, mm. right? Children that have unalived themselves. You know, all the parents had the pictures of their children and were holding them up. And so somebody on the on the Senate panel uh, had said to Mark Zuckerberg, you have these people and the parents behind you. Would you like to stand up and apologize? Because they're not putting the proper safeguards in place. They think they have, but they haven't. Mm -hmm. And so there was a big you know, hoo-ha this past week here in the United States for that. So, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of work to be done around social. And the yeah. kids are being targeted. In terms of uh, your book, there is a section called Rebound. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about some tools for rebounding? Because we're all going to encounter yeah, challenges. 
Yeah. So here we go. Life is life. It is what it is. It does what it does. And I think, you know, I said before, it's a, it's a fabulous place to be or sometimes not so great. Right. And so when that storm does come through and it will, uh, it, you know, it ebbs and flows life and that storm, it's coming. It's a tempest. It's a storm. It's a hurricane. It's a tornado. It's something. And here it comes. It's on the horizon. My one of the other things that I like to, to profess is to be standing really strong in your stead, just like a well-rooted tree. And you do that by having the tools in the shed that you need at any given time. So here it comes, comes a storm. Oh, shoom, there it goes. You might in that storm lose a couple of leaves. Potentially you'll lose a branch, worst case scenario, but you're not going to be uprooted with that storm and transported away. Right. So to be able to rebound from life, rebound from whatever is coming at you, rebound from the difficulty and the pain uh, that you may be, you know, be, but be uh, living through in that moment. If you have the tools in the shed, then I say you've got a shovel, you've got a rake, you've got the hose, you've got all the things to put your garden back in place. And maybe after that, you can plant a couple of new plants, right, that weren't there before. And so this is a great way to rebound by being prepared, by being mindful of knowing that something's going to happen sooner or later. There will be a loss, whether it's of a job, whether it's of a loved one, whether it's of a health issue, whatever it may be, be, be prepared by having the tools in the shed. Not, and the, you know, the tools in the shed, what are they? Courses, classes, YouTubes, books, documentaries. As I've said before, there's a plethora of information that we need to be, as I said, as our sacred duty is our personal development and wanting to be a better person tomorrow than we are today. That's really at the, the crux and the core of everything is wanting to be better, knowing that the pain has, it's, it's almost, a, I, I equate it at times to the alcoholic that knows that when he's hit rock bottom, there's the only way is up. It's kind of the same thing in some case scenarios when you've hit rock bottom, you know, the depression has gotten to you, the anxiety has gotten to you, you know, life is the only way is up. So let's find out, let's get those tools in your shed that you'll, that you need. I love the idea of cultivating a garden. And as you mentioned, watering that grass, uh, there's a chapter in your book called repeat. Um, mm -hmm. and how important would you say are habits and, and practices that support us, not just once, but continually. And maybe what are some habits that have helped you? The habits that are helping me right now is every morning, the minute I wake up, I'm just grateful. I say, thank you. Thank you for another day. You know, thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you for the food in my pantry. Thank you for my good health. Thank you for the people I'll encounter today. Thank you for my, the, my family that loves me. Thank you for my friends, new and, and, and old. Um, thank you for, you know, my freedom, first and foremost. You know, there's so much to be uh, to be thankful for. So I repeat that every day. That is one of the first things I do. And it really does kind of set the stage. Also make sure that my repetition is in, and the things that I eat and the labels that I read to make sure that all of the toxic is out. As I said before, look good, feel good, 
diet, exercise, nutrition, and wellness, making sure that everything that I ingest I uh, is, is super healthy. The other thing that you don't know about, and if I were to do a little panorama here, is that I'm also creating a non-toxic skincare line. And okay. so everything, yeah, everything that you put on your skin, if you only knew the amount of, of illness and sickness that is coming from what we will put onto our skin and all of our beauty products, the soaps, the shampoos, the conditioners, the creams, all of that stuff. If you take a really good look at 99% of it, it is extremely toxic because it is full of chemicals, chemicals that are killing us or making us sick. And so I'm on and on at the all non-toxic, uh, you know, if you really think about my brand now is a full on non-toxic, it's getting the toxic out of your head, out of your heart, uh, off of your skin and, 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 and making sure that, you know, you're, you're helping others, which is always a really great feeling too, as I said before. So the repeat on all of that is, you know, making sure that everything that you are, that you are taking, ingesting into your stomach, uh, putting onto your skin by osmosis and ingesting into your heart are things that you are mindful are positive, healthy, and happy uh, things or thoughts. So the repetition that I, that I continually go through is to make sure, and by the way, the daily demons come back, Brad, they do. They come back every, every day. I've got something going out and, and I usually just go, no, I know, I know you're, I know you're still there and it's all good. Back in your plate, back in your cage. You know, and some people say, not today, Satan, you know, and so I'm really good. <laughs> and so I'm really good now at going, yeah, I see you there, but you have no, there's no time, no more time for you. I used to play into all of that years ago, but again, with those tools in the shed, with the constant work that you do, um, and I invite the work to be constant because you're always learning. There's never a point where you go, oh, I'm good. I've learned it all. No, you haven't learned it all about yourself and you certainly haven't learned it all about everybody else. So um, the re repetition is a really great part of um, of making sure that you stay on task, that you stay on point and that you, you know, you mentally have. It's almost like the reticular activating system piece, whereas, you know, when you say, God, I really love red sports cars and all of a sudden all you see is red sports cars, you know, for the next week. Right. That's your yeah. reticular activating system. So it's the same thing as if when you're constantly doing this, you are constantly pulling that that energy back in from the universe. I don't want to get too woo woo, but that's the way I say it. Oh no, we can get woo woo, but it's it's interesting that you say the the demons or those voices or those self limiting beliefs are always mm -hmm. lurking there. So kind of just get used to you're probably never going to evict them altogether, right? Yeah, no, 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 never. I mean, there's as I said, life is life. It does what it does, and it will trigger you. The triggers are always there. You know, they're going to be there all the time. I was triggered just last Saturday at, a, at an event that I I organized. I, I yeah, sorry, I emceed, and so. There was a little something, something going on, and I went mm, and I took it and I held on to it, and and then I spoke to somebody else, and, and they said, "Oh, Clarissa, that wasn't that at all. It was this." And I went, "Oh, okay, sorry." But I realized that in me there was there was you know I was a little self esteem moment for me, and and it so it does happen. Even the people that write books about it, you know, we write books about this because we know about you know we know from it, and so you know we know about it, and so uh, but I but I. It's really, I am really hard pressed anymore to be triggered by, by the little things, by the silly things, because again, I've done so much of the work. I understand so much more about myself now. Mm. There's a chapter in your book about respect. And from my perspective, I see so much, 
so much lack lack of respect in the world today. People fighting about the silliest things and um, blowing up on social media. What are your thoughts about respect? Yeah, I think that we have to go back to, as I was saying before, about six years ago, there was kindness and there was there was manners. And yeah, we can always, we can always, you know, I think setting boundaries is one of the most important things. And you can do a, a boundary setting. People normally think boundary setting is all about yelling and screaming and making yourself heard. And, and that was the way it used to be. <laughs> You know, I remember when I used to do that because I, you know, I remember how we used to yell on the house to be heard. It's just the way it was. Uh, but I remember that also when I left that house, that that didn't work anymore. And I went, oh, wait a minute. That worked all those years, 18 years in my parents' house. Why does it not work? You see what I said? When you leave the house and you leave the familiar tribe, you start on your own path and you learn what will and will not work. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, absolutely we have to be respectful we have to be mindful that you know of other people's uh thoughts and their boundaries as well so i can set up a boundary and and say it with ease with joy and glory just by saying hey can i talk to you for a second i just want you to know no issue you know i don't want to say, but i just want to let you know how that made me feel um and and this is why if you want to go into and this is why it made me feel that way and and most people We'll say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, oh man, I'll, I, thanks for letting me know. I didn't mean it that way. It wasn't meant to come out that way, but now that I know it won't happen again. Now, you know, you're, you're in a good, happy, healthy relationship. If someone says to you, oh, come on, get over yourself. Will you already just, ugh, I didn't, whatever. You're so sensitive. That might be a toxic relationship, right? So you know, your boundaries need to be respected. You also reciprocal, you know, as I said, reciprocal is the last chapter. You need to understand and, and respect other people's boundaries. But just going back to the common good was I as what I was saying before, the littlest things, the littler things, the smile, the hug, the hello, the high five, the you did a great job, the compliment, I love your new, you know, you're the jumper, uh, you what a pretty color on you. Guys, I don't know what you do. I don't think you do that. But <laughs> I don't think you I don't think you say to your, you know, to your rugby mate, hey man, I love that color on you. But you know what I'm saying. Um you know, um, you know, you, but you know, just kindness, niceness, mm. you know, before you, uh, how can I help? Um, do you need anything? Let me help you with that carriage, ma'am. The stupidest stuff, the silliest stuff. You see someone in need, it, it, it's, or even not just a nice gesture, you know, is a respectful gesture. It's not that hard and it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Amongst my friends, we, I think we're, we're quite open about that kind of thing, even though we're all surfer dudes. Um, you know, <laughs> hey man, you're looking really good today. You've been working out and it's just little things, you know, yeah. that make, makes someone's day. Uh, of course. Can sensitive people thrive? In your book, you talk about HSPs, highly sensitive people who often tend to be people pleasers. Any tips for someone who finds themselves just giving, 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 and at the end of the day, they're distressed? Well, highly sensitive people, it was really interesting that you should say. And as I was you know, taking a deeper dive into my book, I also took the deeper dive into myself because I walk the walk and I talk the talk. And one of the things was extra sensitive persons. And it's written by Dr. Elaine Aaron, who's a PhD. She's also done the documentary, which I watched. And it's all about people that are that are extremely sensitive to triggers and were to light, to sound, to touch, to many, to smell. You can't cook in my house. 
you can't cook because if you were to, we were to have fish tonight in this house and I woke up tomorrow and could still smell it, I would feel physically ill. And the same mm. thing happens with a lots of smells um, and scents. So we are a little bit, and there's about 30, uh, th sorry, 30% of the world's population, by the way, suffers with this dis-ease and, and it's one of, it's like a real thing. And most people, you know, when I, when I, when people would, you know, an ambulance goes by and I go like this on the street, most people think I'm just a diva or I'm overreacting or I'm just being a weirdo, you know, uh, Anise, is it Anais, Annalise Morissette, the singer, she is the spokesperson for this, for this movement. And, um, really? there are quite that there's a lot of people around that were misunderstood as just people that were general pains in the asses, excuse my French, because they were always bitching, moaning, and complaining about something. And it's just the way we are wired. It's the, it's the brain, it's the synapsis. I can't get any more scientific than that, but it's the way we're wired. It's real. It's a, it's a thing. It's the truth. And so that was one of the things that I learned about myself, thanks to Dr. Elaine Aaron's work that I was able to read and go, oh, okay, I get that now. I understand that. There's another book that I read just to this point, and it's called Asperger's, not Asperger's, but Asperger's, and how girls live Asperger's differently. And I, it started on YouTube because, as I said, I do a lot of the work and the research, and I started to go, wait a minute, everything this girl's saying is like, I could check every box, you know? I went, well, anybody would look at me and talk to me doesn't, you know, wouldn't think I have Asperger's, but of course there's a spectrum and there are many different things on that spectrum. Then I got the book and I read it and I'll be darned if I didn't check a lot of those boxes. And I'm just, it was sharing this, Brad, because I, I want everyone to know that you are the way that you are for a reason and that it's okay because that's another, there were other things within that Asperger's girl, girl's book that people didn't understand. Like it was like, what is it about you that, you know, you're whatever, you're 65 years old and you've never been married and you've never had children? Or uh, why is it that you love spending so much time alone and you, but when you're at a party, you're the life of the party? Or, so there's a lot of things that were in that book that I was like, wow, okay. It's all, you know, because I was so, I'm not going to say demonized, but I was, I was definitely, you know, uh, um, dished on a lot uh, growing up because it was, people just didn't understand me. I can't like stress. I have a stress point and you could pull that rubber band really tight and I can go far, but when, when it breaks, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't handle anymore. And so I realize these things about myself. This is why I do the work, why I stand strong in my stead and why I offer everyone else to do the same. So you've spent a lot of time traveling in places like Italy how has your experience of travel and living in other locations influenced your perspectives on, on life and on personal development? Yeah, well, that's one of the things that I think has been one of my greatest blessings is, is having you know the possibility to have traveled for years and years and years. And I'm sure I've hit half of the world, if you know, if not more. There are certainly many other places. I've been to New Zealand actually, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, I love it. It's beautiful. And um, and I so I've I was able to see other cultures, other colors, other perspectives. I've seen the richest of the rich. I've seen the poorest of the poor. 
And I know how extremely blessed I am every day. Uh, my life isn't perfect either, but compared to so many others, it's pretty darn close. And that's because I want to live again as a better person tomorrow than I am today. I want to live with my full value system on display. I want to live with those four pillars of self-esteem. I want to live, you know, helping all boats. They say ships. It's actually all boats rise uh, because, you know, I want to be a strong current that helps boats do that. And so it's just important to me uh, that, you know, the travel really does help round you out. Uh, it makes you become more forgiving. It definitely is an educative process. It's an educative uh, piece that, you know, you couldn't have learned in any classroom or a school book. Uh, uh, um, and, um, you know, I couldn't have learned about India the way I did by going there the three times that I've been there, if I sat in a classroom or read a book or even watched wow. a documentary, right? I wouldn't have been able to smell the smells. I wouldn't have been able to see. One of the things I do remember seeing in India was uh, a, a young mother who had three small children. She had two toddlers and a newborn. And that newborn was covered in a sheet of newspaper. That's all she had a sheet of newspaper. So here she was homeless with three children, very small, not sure what she had to do to get food for them. And that the one baby was covered with newspaper. That will definitely put different perspective into everything. Once you leave there, you leave a piece of your heart. And when you come home, you kiss the ground. Yeah. India changed my perspective on on life that's for sure yep. i spent nearly yeah. a year there and yeah. um it yeah I, I've, I've never thought of leaving a piece of your heart there but that's absolutely true you know yeah. you never look at things the same way you don't uh, tell me about your time in the film industry uh what were some lessons that you learned uh whilst uh while starring in movies Oh, it's so fun. Um, I was in about 18 different movies. The only one that really went, you know, worldwide was in Everything Story Part Two. Uh, I learned, what did I learn? I mean, uh, it was a dream. It was a goal that I achieved and I loved it. But I, I realized early on that my true love was within, it was with television and live television, really, was where I just absolutely loved to be. And that's where I was when I was living in Italy and I worked on Italian television and I was uh, on camera talent for many, many years. And then I was a producer with my own production company. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was one of those, I just love the medium. I love uh, media and uh, I love a microphone and a stage. It's, it's again, I was Mary Poppins in the kindergarten play. So for me, <laughs> it was kind of, I told you, I sang that first supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and I got my first dose of a standing ovation and there was no going back for little Chrissy Burt, I promise you. And so, but I love the medium and I love, um, some of the, you know, the, 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 um, definitely love the book. I mean, you know, the earlier years gave me a platform and it, it taught me um, how to interact uh, with a, an audience, a live audience, especially. And it taught me about sound bites. It taught me about how to hold a room. It told me because uh, I was living, working on live television. So you had, you know, you got to be on the second. Um, and so all of that uh, was what I really, really love. Now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I've been in media for a thousand years, and I think that this new platform now is something that I can come to the table with strongly because of the media and the, the stage background. So, um, yeah, 
I don't know if that mm. made sense, but I knew what I meant. <laughs> no, it made sense. It made sense. And uh, I have to say the never-ending story for myself and millions of other people was such a transformative film. Uh, I, I don't know what it was like starring in it, especially in, in your role. It must have been so much fun is what I can imagine. But um, it's just such an inspiring story, you know, of overcoming obstacles. It changed my life. Yeah, I did it really. Wow. Yeah. You're talking, obviously you're talking about the first one that came out in 1986. And that's where I understand that there was a generation of young boys, probably between the ages of 10 and 15, that, that me, were yeah. traumatized when Atreyu lost his horse into in the quicksand. And that, I, as I've understood it, was where a lot of boys really kind of, as you said, it was transformative. But I think what they did is they really found their a part of their soul, like a, a part of their heart. They really learned, I don't know exactly what, because I wasn't a young boy then, but I know that it was a very, very touching, transformative moment for for for, for boys. Um, and uh, I, our movie came out four years later, where uh, the, the, the theme of the movie was the importance of reading. Yeah. And, uh, and it was the nothingness. I don't know if you remember, it was the Never Any Story Part was the nothingness and um my being the mean queen and wanting to take his memories away and he had one memory left and i had almost one and then he says i have my last wish i wish for you to have a heart and that's yep. when i exploded or imploded or whatever i did and uh and so yeah so that was another it's a you know coming to coming to you know coming to life or coming away coming to oh what do they call that coming to like a growth moment uh coming, coming to Age, thank you. Coming of age, the coming yeah. of age moment. Yeah, for yeah. for for boys, and it's great because I think it really resonated more with boys than it did with girls. And I don't think there's enough that is directed toward uh, men and our young men. This is why the, the cover of my book is blue. When I first got this, it was pink, yellow, and orange. And I and I have a publisher in New York City, and I said, look, I haven't, I have one ask, just one, please. Can you make it three? different shades of blue and they agreed because i said i really want men to be able to pick this book up too and get something out of it or you know you know anyway and so that's how that went but yeah when i dropped the book in italy last year as well i was thrilled to see that half of the room was always male there were always men in that room and so you know again self-esteem doesn't discriminate brad it, it's every every one of us it's every one of us yeah that's important. I think a lot of young men feel extremely lost today. So much, mm -hmm. <laughs> so many different perspectives on how to be a man yeah. and how to be masculine. And I see really low, low self-esteem out there more than I ever have before. Any tips for young men feeling, you know, that they lack confidence or they don't know which path to choose? Well, I think that one of the things that, you know, men need to understand is notwithstanding how uh, afraid they may be of a woman. Um, she's probably just as afraid <laughs> sometimes of, of him. And I'm going through a little bit later in life when, when, when we start, you know, dating and, uh, and looking for our, our life partner, right? Um, uh, know that, that women do, uh, love and respect you for being, um, the, uh, the leader in the family. Not always, but mostly. Uh, and they do look to you for guidance. They look to you for love. They look to you for protection. Yes, we can all protect ourselves. We can all do it for ourselves. Do we really want to do that for ourselves? That is really yet to be seen. So, you know, I think that 
men have have uh, found over since I was dating many years ago, they have found a more feminine side to themselves and they are more open and willing to listen and to do the work we are talking about. That was, that didn't happen back, you know, when I was younger, or definitely not my parents and grandparents. They knew nothing about that. So I think that, you know, guys really just do that. You guys do the work too. come to the table whole come complete and coming complete means you have done the work you have your value system and you understand the importance of being who you are not who like we talked said not what somebody else has said you need to be not what society expects from you none of that just come who you are uh and uh and i think you know that'll it it always that's just it always works itself out in the wash that way you just are who you are. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of women. Don't be afraid of your peers. Don't be afraid. Don't, just don't be afraid. Yes. Just don't be afraid. I think that's the great. Just be who you want, who you want to be and come complete. Mm. Such a good point. Uh, who inspires you, Clarissa? Oh, that's a great question. Who inspires me? You know, long, long ago before her, her passing, I would have said my grandmother because she was good and kind and she was she was loving and she was all about her family and and she was my best friend and soulmate. And uh, and I think and she was classy and they, all, you know, again, going back to manners and class, I think people that that inspire me are the people that understand that uh, money doesn't make the man. You know, um, and I mean that in general sense, money doesn't make any of us, but money doesn't make the man. And uh, and and that, uh, you know, money can't is not the root of all evil, but it doesn't buy you happiness either. Those are the people that, uh, you know, that are not uh, afraid to get their hands dirty, to put on the big girl britches or big boy panties and just and just get the work done. You know, like nothing is for free. Nobody, you know, and the people that understand that you are owed nothing. You're owed nothing. You know, you owe it to yourself to do the work. You owe it to yourself to, um, yeah, to, to do the work. So I, I don't know if I answered your question. That might have been a longer Did. answer than we, uh, we were no, expecting. Absolutely. But I think that, yeah, just, you know, the regular stuff that we like to. You just remember that we are all in a constant state of evolution. And um, it's our sacred duty, as I said before, to do this work. Mm, to cultivate that garden. Uh, tell me, how, pe how can people connect with you and find uh, a copy of your book? Uh, of course, we'll include all of the links in the show notes, so please click them. But how, how would you like people to follow you? You can find me on social anywhere, just at Clarissa Bird, except for Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat, but yeah, Bird. <laughs> And um, and um, the book is on Amazon all over the world. So we've got it on Kindle, we've got it on Audible, and it's uh, it's on soft copy as well, or hard, uh, yeah, paperback as well. So yeah, it's pretty much everywhere, which is great. It's been it's been on the shelves in in the bookstores here for over two years. So the the message is the message for personal development and and self improvement is um is is always as strong as ever you know it's always as strong as ever thank you for distilling all of your wisdom into a book that is on the shelves in that self improvement section it's so important to to help people on their journeys uh any any final thoughts for our listeners who've sat with us for the past uh 55 minutes 
Yeah, I know. It's been it's been a bit. Uh, I think I love it. a quote that John Maxwell came out with and said, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. Love it. Clarissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Please do check out the links in the show notes and we'll see you in, in the next episode. Thanks, Clarissa. Thanks, Brad. Thank you.